solemnly ask of every man who hears this case to let his own mind pronounce a verdict upon it. You have heard the testimony of the state's witnesses. The confession of Peter Keating has made clear that Howard Rourke is a ruthless egoist who has destroyed Kirkland Holmes for his own selfish motive. The issue which you are to decide is the crucial issue of our age. Has man any right to exist if he refuses to serve society? Let your verdict give us the answer. The state rests. The defense may proceed. Your Honor, I shall call no witnesses. This will be my testimony and my summation. Take the oath. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. Thousands of years ago, the first man discovered how to make fire. He was probably burned at the stake he had taught his brothers to light, but he left them a gift they had not conceived, and he lifted darkness off the earth. Throughout the centuries, there were men who took first steps down new roads, armed with nothing but their own vision. The great creators, the thinkers, the artists, the scientists, the inventors, stood alone against the men of their time. Every new thought was opposed. Every new invention was denounced. But the men of unborrowed vision went ahead. They fought, they suffered, and they paid, but they won. No creator was prompted by a desire to please his brothers. His brothers hated the gift he offered. His truth was his only motive. His work was his only goal. His work, not those who used it. His creation, not the benefits others derived from it. The creation which gave form to his truth. He held his truth above all things and against all men. He went ahead, whether others agreed with him or not, with his integrity as his only banner. He served nothing and no one. He lived for himself. And only by living for himself was he able to achieve the things which are the glory of mankind. Such is the nature of achievement. Man cannot survive except through his mind. He comes on earth unarmed. His brain is his only weapon. But the mind is an attribute of the individual. There is no such thing as a collective brain. The man who thinks must think and act on his own. The reasoning mind cannot work under any form of compulsion. It cannot be subordinated to the needs, opinions, or wishes of others. It is not an object of sacrifice. The creator stands on his own judgment. The parasite follows the opinions of others. The creator thinks, the parasite copies. The creator produces, the parasite loots. The creator's concern is the conquest of nature. The parasite's concern is the conquest of man. The creator requires independence. He, he neither serves nor rules. He deals with men by free exchange and voluntary choice. The parasite seeks power. He wants to bind all men together in common action and common slavery. He, he claims that man is only a tool for the use of others. That he must think as they think, act as they act, and live in selfless, joyless servitude to any need but his own. Look at history. Everything we have, every great achievement has come from the independent work of some independent mind. Every horror and destruction came from attempts to force men into a herd of brainless, soulless robots without personal rights without personal ambition, 
without will, hope, or dignity. It is an ancient conflict. It has another name, the individual against the collective. Our country, the noblest country in the history of men, was based on the principle of individualism, the principle of man's inalienable rights. It was a country where a man was free to seek his own happiness, to gain and produce, not to give up and renounce, to prosper, not to starve, to achieve, not to plunder, to hold as his highest possession a sense of his personal value, and as his highest virtue, his self-respect. Look at the results. That is what the collectivists are now asking you to destroy, as much of the earth has been destroyed. I am an architect. I know what is to come by the principle on which it is built. We are approaching a world in which I cannot permit myself to live. My ideas are my property. They were taken from me by force, by breach of contract. No appeal was left to me. It was believed that my work belonged to others to do with as they pleased. They had a claim upon me without my consent, that it was my duty to serve them without choice or reward. Now you know why I dynamited Cortland. I designed Cortland. I made it possible. I destroyed it. I... Hey, hey, hey. What's going on, man? Not much. How are you doing? Hung over as shit from yesterday. Well, it was cause for celebration. It was, you know? I just imagine, like, the Founding Fathers were drunk all the time, right? That's, like, the whole thing at you that know, point. I... I saw um, a meme this morning sent from uh, a reliable friend of mine, though I don't know the veracity of the meme, and it was the bar tab of the Founding Fathers, I think either the night they signed the Declaration of Independence or some other relevant evening, and it was just astronomical. Yeah, wasn't it like the equivalent of like $50,000 or something like that or some crazy <laughs> I didn't see the thing. price, but it was, I mean, it was an astronomical amount of bottles for the number of men that were drinking. <laughs> well they didn't have anything else delightful to drink it was just it was uh whiskey or uh boiled water not even boiled water like oh yeah or tea. mead yeah yeah mead. So, so have you ever um made mead or had a friend who made mead because i have kind I, of a funny story about that <laughs> i lived with dirty hipsters who produced it in a house actually i split a house with uh this couple in austin when i lived in austin for uh oh you're in austin aren't you yes sir so I used to live on the corner of East 7th and Lydia, the big house there that's now valued at, like, God knows. There was, like, a whole city thing about it. Like, the guy added, like, a museum to the back or some shit. I don't know. Wow. But I lived there when it was falling apart with these, like, two hipsters. I mean, the thing looked like it collapse, could collapse at any day, and it's right there in the middle of everything. And the guy made mead. And he's got a bi- he's got a, a business now. It's actually mar- it's out there. It's, it's in the market in, in Austin, at least. I forget what it's called, though. Oh, I'll have to check that out. So you know those... um. You know those uh, Livingston wine jugs that are that were like fifteen dollars at the grocery store. It's like a big jug of the cheapest, most terrible wine you could ever buy. Yes. Um, so when I when I was in college, we used to buy those jugs and then pour them into regular water bo- or wine bottles, so it looked like we had r- real wine at parties. <laughs> and um, uh, my roommate Stephen was like, "Hey, you gonna use this jug?" I'm like, "No, you can have it." You know. And he makes mead with it, right? He puts it in the cabinet. Weeks go by, and all of a sudden, boom! Honey, and every exploded everywhere. Like if I was standing by that cabinet, I would have probably died. He's like, "Oh, I forgot to burp it." (laughs) Uh, So the place while you were talking, I was on my computer. Yeah, it's called Meridian Hive. Okay, I'll have to check it out. 
And uh, yeah, it was started by this guy um, and his dirty girlfriend. Like he's a dirty hipster and his dirty girlfriend. I mean, they were older than me. I mean, they're like probably mid fifties now or, or close to like low fifties. And uh, yeah. So was he making mead when you lived there? Yep. And he was okay, like a national cool. judge for it. And I don't think I had a single pour of it while I was there. I didn't give a shit. And then apparently after I left, he started making cheese there, which I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, I just cannot imagine living in a house with like cheese being made. That's a whole nother level of like. It's like cheese and meat and just, uh, can you imagine your stomach? And I lived upstairs. So they lived like, we didn't have a living room in this place. I had, I had like almost the entire upstairs was mine. So it was a big mm-hmm. area, but there was no mm-hmm. living room. There were five refrigerators. And I used to really get into it with them because I was like. Um, you're getting, we're not splitting the electric bill evenly. You're going to try, you're going to pay 80 to 90% of it because you're goddamn wow. five refrigerators. So yeah. why did you, uh, why did you skip town? I went back. I, I was, uh, became, um, the chief, sorry, director of marketing and digital for CPAC 2015. And I wanted to I get didn't into realize that I'm was your now. job. That was awesome. In 2015. But yeah. Yeah. Still, that's awesome. That was a hell of a year for for CPAC. <laughs> it was like, the, I think it was the last authentic year of CPAC and they had everybody there. And like, it was when, when, you know, we were getting ready going into 2016. So we had every one of the candidates were there. Um, yeah. and it was like, it was a, it was a crazy shit show. And so I did all, so I ran the social media team there. So the social media team, I picked up, um, I had three, um, female interns and all three of them went on to be either like director of digital. One was director of digital for the Department of Education. One actually ended up running CPAC. And I think the other one is like vice president of a company now. And I'm like, you've all surpassed me in my career. Congratulations. Like, I'm really good at recruiting. So well, yeah, you're like Obi-Wan, man. You just got to show up every once in a while and yeah, speak some wisdom. Yeah. It's <laughs> so that's so how do you see? I own a um, small advertising business. I've been doing it since 2016, uh, social media advertising ex- exclusively. Mm-hmm. and uh and search and um i've always avoided any of the political stuff because um whenever my facebook account gets flagged it's like a nightmare for my clients for a week you know i've got backup accounts for when i get flagged and i don't even post on my face my personal facebook profile at all anymore because i'm worried that anything i say or do can and will be held against me so how did you navigate um digital strategy in a in a and I, you know it was 2015 so it might have been a little different but in a, in a field that's so heavily monitored yeah, so I've only been suspended by Twitter one time, and they never told me what it was. Um, and so, yeah, and so none of my other accounts have ever had any kind of um, flagging. I don't know what I, – I, I know how to play by the rules. And I think yeah. one of the ways you do that is you ask questions instead of making declarations. Yeah, I, so. I, ran, a poll, I ran a poll that said race is inferior or superior, one of those, and it was just listed the races. And then <laughs> the, sec- the second tweet – was in the thread was you know by the way the only answer is the only right answer is not to answer you know so it was actually an anti-racism tweet but of course yeah. everybody said that the white race was inferior right and yeah. so you know and i got i got suspended for 12 hours for race for promoting racism even though the whole point of the tweet was to indicate that you know racism is bad <laughs> i mean jesus i you know and i i don't i don't know honestly i don't well i've gotten lots of notifications from twitter that they've had like obviously mass reporting or something of my tweets before. Um, yeah. And like, they're like, we found your tweet to be fine and not to violate German law. I've gotten a bunch of those. It yeah. Cause apparently in Germany, Germany, they have to tell, they have to tell you if you've been reported. Yeah. Well, but, so, uh, so is that how you kind of leveraged into becoming this conservative podcast comedian influencer? Uh, no, I just kind of always was doing it. Um, yeah. 
And then, are we recording now? I don't even know. We're live, bro. Oh, well, how about that? <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, I thought it notified you when you, when you hopped in. I, I guess it care. doesn't. I don't blush. It doesn't matter. No, I'm, I'm fine with that. No, I mean, the thing is, uh, which, by the way, I don't. I never say anything, and that should tell you. I never say anything behind the scenes that I don't say in front of the scenes, too. So, like, it's, sure. I'm always me. Um, no, you know, I, I've always just kind of done this stuff, and then it picked up. I've done marketing as well. So I, I, did, uh, I did a bunch of marketing in um, – Austin, I, I helped, I consulted with the Chamber of Commerce and a bunch of other businesses and stuff. And I've always been political. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, I even, I interned on Capitol Hill 15 years ago or so in the Senate for Don Nichols and Tim Hutchinson back in the day. If you guys want to Google how long ago they were in, I think it was like 2002. Geez, it's like 18 years. And uh, it just kind of picked up. I've been able to, I market people better than myself though. And so like, I don't know why I haven't been a bigger influencer or whatever, but um, it's getting there. So that's one of the concerns I have about the Republican Party just in general is we seem to be, I've said this a million times on the podcast, but we seem to be really good at winning the logical debate and really bad at winning the emotional debate. Um, and I, the, the Democrats, you know, as much as I despise their tactics so much of the time, are outstanding at branding candidates. And it yep. seems like every time they run a campaign, they're... Um, uh, there is at least a week where any any one of their candidates is like the new hot topic, right? I mean, for a while it was going to be Elizabeth Warren, and then it was going to be Pete, you know, and you know, they they fell out of the limelight. But they did such a good job of framing everyone on that stage as a hero, at least at one point. And I feel like the Republicans just never pull that off. And why is that? Uh, because they're they're still using the same antiquated consultants and they continue to listen to them and they keep doing the same thing. I mean, the fact that, I mean, and this isn't me like saying I'm great, but, uh, well, yeah, it is. Uh, the fact that I don't get phone calls to, to advise people and I've given advice to people before, members of Congress and whatnot, makes no sense. Because if you have people like me floating around that are known entities in Washington, D.C. as like a consultant that can, that can be picked up to talk about this stuff on top of everything else I do, uh, and you're not using me I, and you're going back to these old people. This is why we lose. It's the same stale uh, inability to stand out. They, you know, the consultants have them at this like hum instead of people who spike and the people who spike. Look, I mean, I don't agree with all the crazy stuff she said in the past, but Marjorie Taylor Greene is great at getting out there. And she became such a threat that they, the left had to mobilize those, that same operation that, uplifted all of their candidates to take care of her and make her seem like she's some sort of uh, crazy threat to everyone. And I'm sure I'm surprised they haven't gone after Lauren Boebert yet either. Lauren Boebert's why they have uh, uh, virtuous uh, metal detectors and more metal detectors in the hallways just for members because they're afraid that she's carrying a, a gun on her at all times. I mean, like, so you're, you're not allowed if you're if you're an elected member, you're not allowed to carry a firearm into the house. Apparently not. Hmm. And that has to be a new thing because, you know, back in the day they had to, right? Like in the 1800s and the 1700s, they were all packing. Did you ever hear that story about Andrew Jackson uh, and the assassination attempt on him in Tennessee? No. So I don't know if this is um, legend or fact. Okay, so just take this with a grain of salt. But uh, I lived in Tennessee for seven years and um, uh, I had a lot of friends that were big Andrew Jackson guys, you know, because he was a big Tennessee boy. And um Apparently, when he was old, he was walking at the Capitol in, in Tennessee. I believe it was in Tennessee. It could have been the federal Capitol. Um, and a guy came up to him, attempted to assassinate him. And it was raining, and he pulled out a musket and misfire because of the rain. And he pulled out a second one, you know, back up, misfire because of the rain. And Andrew Jackson just beat the snot out of him with his <laughs> cane. <laughs> 
That's legit, man. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know, like I said, I don't know if it's factually true or not, but it's still like one of those legends that deserves to be uttered. <laughs> well, the, the uh, not quite on the same level is uh, Rick Perry like shot a wolf that was coming after him, but he was out for a jog one day years ago. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Was, he, was he on the campaign trail at the time? Uh, no, I think he was, I think he was in office and, yeah. uh, just, just popped like a wolf, like came after him. I'm pretty sure it was a wolf and he just, so I, I like Rick Perry, but whenever I hear his name, there's two things I think of. I think of that, um, terrible ad that he ran where he bashed, uh, gay people. And I think of when he forgot one of the departments of the government during the debate, he's like, I'm going to abolish three departments, department of education, department of energy. And, uh. so <laughs> And he had, the the other thing that I remember from him is that he had a, a WWE style entrance theme that someone had written for him for his campaign. <laughs> I just know that. It. Oh yeah, there's a Rick Perry, um, like a hard rock kind of like a country rock rap song. Like the thing is, nice. so on paper, he should have been a really good candidate. Uh, but you're right that that gay commercial that him had with the hunting jacket it was like a tree. Yeah, he's wearing he's like Carhartt. And he's like when homosexuals can get married, but our kids can't choose their own schools. You know, it's like, ooh, like, ah, get a pulse, man, get a pulse. That's also, so that's also why Republicans, well, they used to lose uh, a lot more because of that. A lot of the big money is still very socially conservative. And, uh, and the thing is, if you're, if you're a, what I would consider like a more classic conservative, you would want smaller government and less hands on your social life. Who gives a shit if somebody's, uh, who, who somebody sleeps with? I've been saying that for years, but I mean, so have people like anybody with common sense has said that for years. Like, why do we care? Why is this? Right. Well, I don't know why you have to have a license at all to get married to anyone. Why is the government involved in that? I mean, like, I right. at some point was there a health issue that you might marry your sister or something, or you had to do blood tests or what? Yeah, I, you know, I I think it's probably got to do with taxes, and the state is like, you know what, we better document these people. If we're going to do different tax rates so people don't just say they're married when they're not. I don't know. Yeah, but like back in the day when they like, what was the point of the blood test? Well, I they think they still, the, still I, do it, don't they? I, I yeah, uh, we were my wife and I were encouraged to get blood tests before we got married. Like we had to when we went, they asked us to do it. We didn't do it, but yeah. they encourage it, I guess, so you don't accidentally marry your cousin. I guess that's what it, I think. That's it, right? Like, but, and so like back in the day, I guess it was more you had more of a chance to. Now, well, what do you think? Do you think the odds are hard? Do you think they're better to marry a cousin nowadays or back in the day? Because there's more people now, you might get mixed up in the. I, I think back in the day you were more likely because think about it, man. If you if you're in a small if you grow up in a small town, a very small slim. town, pickings are slim, and uh, there was much less mobility a hundred years ago. I mean, if if you wanted to go to a different community, you had to hop on the wagon. You know, so <laughs> that's sometimes, a long way. Yeah, sometimes you know, if if you're not much for the road, you just have to settle for your cousin. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know why I'm bringing this up, but yesterday we talked about um, we were talking about South Dakota and cool stuff to see in South Dakota. And uh, the Badlands. Imagine being on your wagon, pulling into like the Badlands for the first time, and yeah, like, trying to ramp a dune. And then like <laughs> it's just miles of it, right? So you're like, nope, got to go around. No, and you just keep going around. I, I that had to be. I, I guess people didn't necessarily die there, but it had to get pretty frustrating at some point. I just don't the wooden wheels, man. You, yeah. you think they could have figured something out sooner? There was a long time where wooden wheels were all the rage. Metal. Why didn't they do metal? I think they, they might have later. Yeah, but the, I don't. Can you just imagine how bumpy that would have been? Yeah. Yeah, Awful. that was probably the worst part about the Oregon Trail. It's like it's like wooden wheels, dysentery, <laughs> starvation yeah. in that order. <laughs> Fording rivers. Uh, do you remember that game? The original. Dude, they made it. I have it sitting around here. I'm not going to run and get it, but 
uh, Target for a while had a little handheld. It looked like the old Apple computer. Yeah. And it, the game plays on it, like on a little screen. It's like, an, like a mini Apple II? Yeah. Yep. It's a mini Apple II, and it's a, the exact game is on it. On oh, that's screen. awesome. You remember those, little, those bullets and you just had like the cursor that would just go all over the screen and it was there's was always a latency so you had to kind of like <laughs> understand where it was going to go. Yes. Before you could... <laughs> we played I... that in second grade on the on the uh, public school computers in class. How was that? That wasn't educational at all. Uh, yeah, you know there were there it was an educational game, but you had to click on like the learn more tabs and stuff. You know, like there'd be uh... like read about the history, and like nobody ever clicked it. But yeah, you could no. like if you wound up at a at a reservation or something, it would tell you about whatever tribe if you clicked on it. Number munchers was my jam. Did you ever do I number munchers? Never played number. No, what's that? It's like you would have this little guy, and it would like you'd solve little math problems as quickly as you could on the Apple II, and he would do a little thing. And after you like got like so many. Uh, uh, questions answered it would show like the little number muncher guy but he'd be like isaac newton or something and they would have a little fact on it you're like well i won something i won more learning <laughs> yeah amazing yeah you know like stop distraction i was thinking about this the other day so so you know how there's this constant debate going on about uh, artificial intelligence and whether or not it's going to be the end of mankind yeah it is. Um, or, or the benefit you know i i have mixed feelings about it because if you think about it um you know, a, com- a computer is all, as of now anyways, all analytical and like zero emotional te- intelligence. Um, and it seems to me that the first iterations of artific- artificial intelligence are going to be more like autistic savants than anything else. Like the guy that can tell you what day of the week, you know, January 2nd, 2534 is going to be in a second rather than, you know, some sort of like Russell Crowe, beautiful mind type person with any sort of charisma. Yeah, dude, it's going to be data from Star Trek. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. So Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that guy, God, he's so creepy. I mean, look, I, he's a billionaire. You'd think he'd do something with that money to look a little more normal. So you, okay, I take it you saw that video from last night of him on his hovercraft trying to be like back to the future. Yeah. Oh, well, what is that all about? Like, <laughs> do you think the dude thinks he's like really patriotic and actually does love America and he just is, makes, all, makes all the wrong calls? He went to, it was Harvard, right? That's where he was. Yeah, before he, he dropped out. I mean, okay, so like, think of the person that goes there to start with. Like, think of the douchebag that goes there. I mean, are there? I'd say seventy percent of the people that go there are a little off and don't have real world uh, skills and knowledge, and you know, street smarts. It's, defi- it's definitely a very specific class of people. Yeah, I mean, there are some kids that sneak in, right? Like, so like, there's about I'd say thirty percent are like kids that are actually. Oh, I don't know now, but like back in the day. A bunch of my friends went to Harvard. Um, from I went to UMBC. Do, do they and, always talk about it? No. Every every person I've ever met who went to Harvard tells me about it within the first five minutes of interacting. No, nope. a lot of them are doctors. A lot of them went to Harvard med- Medical, and uh, so you have cool friends. I I don't know if they're cool, but they're they're smart. Like they're smart and they're not douchey. So I think I got yeah. rid of most of the douchey friends. It's one of the reasons I finally I up and tanked Washington D.C. was that like I was so tired of the people there. So where are you now? Dallas. Oh, cool! You're Actually, Grapevine, right up the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool, man. I always talk about uh, being in Grapevine. I love this little town. So I, uh, I traveled the country last year for ten months. I did uh, thirty-five states and eighty cities, and uh, this was my favorite town because it sits right, it sits right on the DFW airport, and you have all the media stuff around here you could possibly want. And it's this like little kind of bougie tourist town with like winery. I'm not even a wine person, but there's a winery on every corner. It claims to be the Christmas capital of. Uh, of Texas. It's very much so appeasing to my ADHD. Yeah. 
So do you actually believe that you have ADHD or is that just something that you say? No, no, no. Nope. I was diagnosed with it me a long too. time ago. Do um, you, do you, if you don't mind me asking, do you take what, what are your feelings about the, the medication for it? I, they kept me off of it. So I had a very, very good psychiatrist back in the day. And I, I, I had anxiety and a bunch of other stuff. And he was worried about my creativity. And he said the ADHD actually contributes to uh, my ability to do what I do. And mm-hmm. so we just worked on stuff. And it, three years, I went to three years of counseling and, and uh, figured it all out. So still have problems yeah. with it. But I struggle with it because um, I, I agree that it definitely helps with creativity. But I do supplement with um, the medication for it because um, it's very difficult for me to do things that I need to do that I otherwise wouldn't ever do, like open a spreadsheet, for example. That's just something I can't do if I'm not on medicine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I have a chronic procrastination problem uh, as a result of it as well. Well, that's been um, a, lot of this, a lot of my projects. I started doing these little videos and things now because I was yelled at by multiple media executives. And they were like, hey, you've got to do this. And I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. Uh, but I never got around to it because I just I would be distracted and do other things. I mean, my tweeting and stuff, there is no uh, rhyme or reason. Like, I'll see something and be like, oh, that's cool. And then tweet about it or, you know, I'll post about it. But there's no, like, real... Um, order or organization to it. And I started putting a little bit of thought into stuff and like how I do things and making myself do videos and podcasts, whatever else now. Um, And it's exploded from there. Like the numbers have gone through the roof recently because of the actual like focusing instead of, you know, ADHDing it and just kind of like winging it and being all over the place. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Like I'm trying to, um, kind of, I don't, I don't want to say become an influencer because that's such a douchey thing to aspire to. Dude, it's the worst. I hate that term because when I think influencer, I think like a woman who's shown her ass on uh, Instagram and then sells like, you know, beauty cream because of it. She's like, I got a hundred. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get away from that. You know, I got a kid now and I don't want to do that anymore. No. I, I mean, that's, but, you, you need, you but I want followers and I want to like write books one day and I want to have, you know, cooler and cooler people on the podcast. You know, every, every new guest I have is the pinnacle, right? You're the best guest I've ever had, man. I'm like, <laughs> and, the, I'm like the worst. I, yeah. You had, who'd you have? You had uh, Ron Coleman on the other day. He's pretty good. Coleman's awesome. I had Papadopoulos on. That was pretty cool. Oh, Papadopoulos um, is cool. Yeah. Yeah. He looks just like Billy Zane to me. Uh, there's the ADD again, but, um, my, I wanted to ask you, what would your advice be for me as someone who's trying to grow a following, not trying to be an influencer, but trying to grow a, a following and, and, but still have integrity, you know, um, <laughs> uh, you know, in the long haul, it, is it, is it, do you use like analytical tools to monitor trends? I mean, are you like insane about it or, or how do you do it with intention? You know, man, I don't, uh, I just tweet what I think at the time and I'm, and yeah. I'm a little witty and that helps, but that's like, I, you know, my, my rule is, and you found out earlier, like when I didn't think we were live, um, cause I don't read, uh, I, I'm the same person on and off camera. I'm the same person on and off of Twitter. People are like, you don't, I mean, I'm, I'm very quiet actually. When I go out, I like to have my downtime and like, mm-hmm. uh, whatever, but, uh, there's, it's just be authentic to yourself. And if it goes, it goes. And if it doesn't, you know, do something else. I mean, that's the yeah. whole thing. I look, I, I can go, you know, run a marketing firm right now if I want to, I don't, um, you know, but everything else is working out right now. So I'm, I'm happy with it. And I'm you know going to be filming a uh, pilot TV show coming up here. And I've just been really fortunate. Can you tell me about that pilot? I'm really interested. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to be a travel show um, where I used to do a segment called take Tim to work uh, at WTTG Fox five in DC. 
And uh, it's taking that and making it a 22 minute or a 44 minute and not having famous people on it. So, or, or like restaurateurs and stuff. I want to do real people things like sort of like dirty jobs, to be honest with you, but without focusing on the, the job and being a little bit more generic about it. So like the first place I'm, I'm going to go, like I'm going to work at a gas station and then uh, going to be uh, flying around. At, there's a place called, I think it's called Stream Streamline. I always forget the name of the spot. Again, old man. Um, there's a, a bar and I'm going to be in Wichita, Kansas. There's a bar in Wichita, Kansas with a, um, airstrip and oh, cool. it's all these millionaires with these like old timey planes and you take up the planes and, um, fly around at them. So, I mean, there, there's just a lot of cool stuff and there's a lot of cool stuff in America last year. So not only did I do that thing at WTTG last year during COVID I had, um, at the Washington times, I had a little series called on the road with Tim Young and, uh, it was seen by 6 million people. It was the most popular thing in their, the history of their social media. Excuse me. And um, they ended up, whoever came in and took over the social media after the last guy left, a lot of it was in stories on Instagram. Thank God I saved all these videos. They killed all the Instagram stories for some reason, like the saved little circles at the top of the Instagram. Tanked them all. I don't understand why you would do that because it's just free content to keep people on the page. But uh, so they tanked about mm, 10 hours, 15 hours of footage of me on the road. Thank God I saved it all. Um, Always back back up. Yeah, but so uh, that's, I mean, I, I just really love talking to normal people. And uh, I mean, I'm a normal guy. And like, I just kind of mm-hmm. like highlighting stories and getting them to talk See, about themselves. And... I prefer to only be around celebrities. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> because they're better than us. It's important. And they're yeah. much wiser. All celebrities, actors in particular, are the smartest people. Well, they're the only people who are experts in every field. You know, it's like if, you're, if you are incredible at portraying you know, a 19th century sort of, you know, wilderness man, you also know everything there is to know about the climate. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> Nailed it. You know who I really do like, though? And and it's interesting. And I think he's been shocked. I've, I've watched a couple of his videos lately. Is uh, Russell Brand, who um, yeah. I used to hate him, but he's grown on me. I, I did a comedy challenge him in L.A. once and. It was, he's the weirdest fucking dude. So he comes in to the green room and all the comics are standing around there. And there's a lot of very annoying comics now that like are still, all the people that are there that I was on the show with are still around. Like Jen Kirkland, who's nuts. Um, So he has a Sherpa with him. Huh? Kirkland brain comedy? Yeah, pretty much. Um, She actually, like her big claim to fame is like she was in like the original drunk history. Like the very first when they were still good and not staged. Um. Not completely staged because they have to be staged now, the stuff that they do. Uh, but anyway, so he comes in with the Sherpa, and first she comes in and she's wearing like a white robe and gives What's everybody a like, like a god, like a spiritual guide. I call it a Sherpa, but like a Sherpa is like, oh, yeah, like a shaman in the mountains. Yeah, he like, yeah, his, he like his dude with them. Okay. I'm using, gotcha. I'm using the wrong term. I just, I call it Sherpa and people always just go along with it. I, there are words I don't know the definition to that I just go with because I'm more No, I just wanted to make sure I was following. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, Sherpa, they guide you through the mountains. But anyway, so like the shaman comes in, he's got the whole, wait, I'm going to change the story from now on because I always say Sherpa. And nobody, <laughs> no one's ever corrected me because they're dumb. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not afraid to admit I don't know something. <laughs> good. Me too. I, uh, but I'll throw out words that I don't know the definition to that just sound right in the, uh, in the sentence. And most of the time it's in the ballpark enough. But anyway, okay. so um, where this white rope comes and gives everybody elevator eyes up and down, up and down. And then he comes in and does the exact same goddamn thing. And we're all looking at him like, where is this going? And then he turns to the shaman and goes, these are real people. 
And then the shaman goes, and he turns around, he's like, hey, everybody, how you doing? And it's like, what just happened? <laughs> was he just fucking with you? I don't know. I, I don't know because it, like, there was no, I think that's legit because at, at that time, I think he had just left Katy Perry or something like that. And like, he was Ooh, going to probably need a little help. Yeah. And so, like, he had a, a shaman or whatever follow him around. But I saw the shaman then on like Rodeo eating outside, getting like a, like a salad outside later on. I'm like, man, what a great deal that is. Whatever, whatever they're getting paid. But man, so. You- you got to be careful when you get famous. You get you get leeches like that, you know, like Brian Wilson or whatever from uh, the Beach Boys. You know, if, I don't know if you saw that movie, uh, Love and Mercy. Yep. Uh, with um, um, what's the name of that actor? Whatever, um, Paul Giovanni, I think. Speaking and, uh, of, oh, go ahead, sir. No, no, I was just saying. And so you just got to be careful if you get really successful like that because people will latch onto you. Speaking of those types of people, have you seen this whole thing? Or do you know who Yashar Ali is on the? Uh on twitter yeah yeah he's the guy that looks skinny in his profile picture but shows up fat in every interview correct you need to read this article that just came out on him that is like i mean it's a it's like a book like somebody wrote like a book on this guy and like apparently he goes from celeb to celeb like he he lived at kathy griffin's house and like kathy griffin couldn't quite figure out why he was there and basically she was giving him money and a place to stay and a bunch of other stuff and like finally like her management team was like dude why is he here? He's got to go. And that's so, that, but that's happened over and over again. Apparently he's got a pattern to doing this. It's a very odd, like basically the article's like trying to be nice. And they're like, he's such an influencer and he rose to fame and yada, yada. By the way, he, uh, he ends up at random celebrities houses, living there, collecting money off of them for God knows what. And since I, that article um, came out, he's been off of Twitter. I followed him for a while and I even asked him to be on the podcast um, early on just cause I thought it would be interesting to talk to him. And He'd I come stopped on like following. this. Be... <laughs> I'm very thin right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I stopped following him because he started tweeting, um, you know, today's the fifth night in a row that I've gone to bed, not wanting to wake up in the morning. Fuck. You remember when he went through that phase? And he did like, it again yeah. recently. I was like, you know, I, I, I think mental health is a serious issue. I think it should be destigmatized. I think that we are lacking in infrastructure to deal with mental illness in this country. Okay. I'm all for it. But it seems to me that if you're genuinely mentally ill, that's not how you express it. I don't think it just seemed more like attention seeking behavior to me than a genuine call for help. But you've been to a psychiatrist. I've been to a psychiatrist. We both talked about it. Like there's no, if I'm feeling down, you're not seeing me on the internet, you know, begging for whatever. One of my controversial statements that I make among friends and family that I think this might be the first time or second time I've ever said it online is I believe all women, except when I see them on CNN, (laughs) It's like, listen, if any woman tells me that something happened, I believe that woman. But yeah. if I see a talking head on CNN making a Me Too claim, 50-50. Well, you know, like, so, like, what was it? <laughs> Maybe the that's New- bad. No, no. Re- remember uh, when the Kavanaugh stuff happened and, like, the New Yorker did the article on the woman who, like, she was like, I was a rape victim. But, like, she, they had, like, this full, like, amazing photo, like, spread, photo spread of her. Blase Ford? No, it was the one that came after her. It was the train rape one or whatever. The gang. I'm not the, they were with it was the chick who, yeah, because she was like, she was like Avenatti's like, she was like, they were just trying to line them up and collect money. It really seemed like. Yeah, they were trying to do uh, class action or something. But she was the one who said that she was like a college student that went to 
high school sex parties and was raped at high school sex parties multiple times as a college student. Like she just kept going back to these. She was like, you know, the first time that I was like raped at this high school party, I guess it wasn't that bad. I'll go back. Like, I mean, the story was so unbelievable and, yeah. and it, it, it broke in the New Yorker and she had a, um, and God, I can't remember the name of it. it. It had, she had these full like magnificent photo shoots that they did with her. And I'm like, that's not real. So, so. I, I've given I've given this a lot of thought because I got um uh, I had a, a false accusation made against me when I was in college and it was it totally shook me to the core and um I don't think I've experienced anything more terrifying in my life um and I've basically come to the conclusion about a couple of things regarding the Me Too movement. The first one is we should be encouraging women who are victims of sexual assault to immediately press charges. Immediately press charges. Like, don't be scared. Go press charges, right? Yes. This, this whole character assassination thing on the internet, is it sucks. And I understand if 20 years ago you were in a position where you couldn't because Harvey Weinstein was running the show. Okay, I get it. That's There's exceptions. But today, if you get raped, immediately go to the cops like or, or the hospital and, and call the cops. Like that, that's, I have a daughter that was born in, on, in January, and I'm going to encourage her when she's old enough, and we're going to have this conversation. If anything ever happens to you, immediately call the police. Don't wait around for seven years, let it fester, and then like start making claims or whatever. Just deal with it right away. And I understand that we can't victim blame, and you know it's, it's taxing for people to have to relive their experience. But if you don't go to the cops and you've been sexually assaulted, you are allowing a predator to walk the streets. So it's like, come on. Like if somebody if somebody raped me, which is particularly embarrassing for to happen to a man in our culture, right? No yeah. man ever want to talk about this. If that happened to me, that's the first thing I would do is go yeah. to the police, and it would suck. But I'm not going to let that guy walk around if I can do anything about it. Come on. Well, I always say, um, and I was trained as a public defender in law school. I went to law school. If you don't know that, um, uh, the next one's on you. So the next the next victim is your fault because you didn't go after that guy. I know it's a little harsh statement to say, but it's like that's what hard it is. to say as a public defender too because you have to defend all the worst people. <laughs> I never did it, but like I uh, I, yeah. I was just trained as it. But like and I and I uh, had some really really good advisors and I learned a ton. But like, um, yeah, I mean like y- you have to you have to say something immediately. But it has been weaponized and and now you know like you take a look at what they tried to cancel Aziz Ansari with that one story where like the girl was over his place I and they were like know. starting to get I it on that guy. I love and that guy. Too. She like they were, they were starting to get it on and she was like, I don't, I don't want to do this. And he goes, okay. And then he got her an Uber and she went home and then he even followed up and like texted her and was like, are you okay? Like in the morning he was so concerned. Right. Yeah. And then she, she did like a me too article on some bullshit website that was trying to get famous. The, the website yeah, and this girl were trying yeah. to elevate themselves. And it was like, this is ridiculous. This guy is a totally nice guy. And you made it. But sell he, did, he didn't let her pick the wine, man. You remember that? <laughs> no, remember is that, that what was? Part of the article, part, in no. the article that she wrote, she said <laughs> that he didn't even ask me what wine I wanted. He just opened a bottle. I'm like, bro, James Bond doesn't ask anybody what wine they want. And somebody, somebody I consider, uh, I wouldn't consider. I, I guess he's a friend, uh, an acquaintance. I'd help him. Uh, Andy Signor from uh, Screen Junkies. He founded Screen Junkies. Do you know his story? Mm-mm. Where like he like he messed around with a fan or something once, and then she accused him of all sorts of stuff. And uh, they ran him out of his own company on something that was like consensual. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so like he founded screen junkies. Now he does popcorn planet. He's a great guy. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, they, they tried to cancel him during with the me too stuff and they did. I mean, they got him away from his own company and uh, these other guys wanted full control of it without him around. <clears throat> yeah. You know, I tell you what, when I was, when I was in uh, uh when I was younger, I was much more libertine in my sentiments toward, uh, sexuality and uh promiscuity 
in terms of, you know, uh, there's nothing wrong with adults just, you know, doing whatever they want. And as I get older, I'm like, you know what? This whole monogamy thing makes a hell of a lot of sense because there's so much liability fooling around with strangers. <laughs> like, don't do it. <laughs> I stopped. So somewhere in the middle of the Trump, um, the Trump years in the White House, I stopped dating in D.C. because I was worried when I was a known entity, I was worried that someone would try to claim that I did something. Literally, I just stopped dating because I was worried that, not that I ever would, but I was worried that somebody would make up something. Yeah, so. scary, man. Well, I know, that, I know that you're on a tight schedule. Um, yeah. Where can everybody follow you and what's next for you? Oh, God. Uh, uh, Tim runs his mouth everywhere, of course. And uh, Tim Young, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. People shit on me all the time, so it's, it's fun. Um, and uh, so next up is the, the pilot, and uh, we'll see where that goes. And you can go I, – I do the podcast regularly now, No Things Considered. You should do it. Come on. We'll have more conversation uh, when I'm not hungover from the 4th of July. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's it. I'm, I'm really just working. Co- oh, I have a TikTok now. That's why I forgot to tell you. One of the things I added since I found out that my own government monitors me anyway, I found out the other day, um, yeah, from I the FBI that. calling me, um, I was just like, whatever, they know everything anyway. So I joined TikTok. My friends were bugging me about it and I had 2.2 million views on my videos in one week. So did you keep I your think, shirt on? Uh, it was a lot of the stuff on that. She's. You know, talk about being like an adult, like when it hits you that you're old is you go on yeah. there and it's like all these women that are like, I understand 18. you. Well, and they're doing like super sexual stuff. And I'm like, man, come on. You know? Yeah. 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 I had to, uh, I, 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 uh, just basically was like, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't be here. <laughs> I had that thought and I, I put some content on there every once in a while, but I don't, I don't like scrolling through the dance videos of 16 year olds with their manager, you know, behind the cash register at a fast food restaurant doing some like super sexy dance. Also, I mean, the other thing too that really bothers me and then I got to run, but uh, yeah. are like the, the conservative influencers again. Influencer is mm-hmm. a bad, bad word, but mm-hmm. uh, it's, it just, it gives me this cringy feeling when I say it. But these girls that like uh, basically do the same, basically the same thing, like bikini with a gun in it or whatever, like regularly mm-hmm. on, uh, on Instagram to get all these followers, all these little 12 year olds that, you know, are looking for softcore porn. And, uh, and then suddenly they're like speaking at CPAC because they have, you know, 200,000 followers or whatever, you know, whatever conference they're speaking at because they put up pictures of themselves in a bikini. Suddenly they're a policy expert. It's like, come on guys, this is why we lose. This is why we lose. I know. I know. But Hey, we'll, we'll see what happens in 2022. I'm optimistic. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it, man. Um, uh, I really enjoyed our time together today. Thanks. It was good hanging out. See you, man. All right, man. Take care. Bye.